Amen. All right. So many really, really awesome things happening in the house of the Lord. You guys know that we're in 21 days of prayer right now. Come on. Some of y'all are excited to pray, excited to worship, and excited just to be in the presence of God. I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad you came to church on a Sunday morning, even though you might have got rained on. Tell your neighbor it's okay if you get a little bit wet. Somebody in the first service told me their umbrella broke on the way in, and so they didn't know how to get back to their car. That's all right. It's all right to get a little bit wet, but at least you made it to the house of the Lord. Today, I'm excited that we're here. I'm excited that those of you who couldn't make it are still joining us online, and so I want to do something real quick. Can we just give a great big relate welcome to everybody watching online right now? We're glad you're here. I'm excited to look right into the camera and tell you that we love you, that you are a part of our family, and that we're praying for you this week every single day. We're lifting up your names and the prayer requests and just believe in God to do incredible, incredible things. So I want to tell you about just, listen, I know you might want to go back to worship. We're going to go back to worship at the end of the, at the, end of the message, and you're going to have more time to worship this week in the middle of the week as we're doing our prayer service. But I will tell you this, we got things happening right now. We've got, we're going to jump into the word in just a minute. Would you just turn to somebody next to you and say, hey, I am glad you're here. And now, whoever your second choice is, turn to them and say, I'm also glad you're here, just not quite as much as the other person. <laughs> Aren't these guys doing an awesome job this morning? We have such talented people that are bringing worship and their voices and instruments. It's incredible to be on that team. And um, I love serving with our dream team. At this point, over 100 people rotating every week and just serving once a month or twice a month. And it's, it's just blowing my mind. And um, today we're doing a really special event. If you've been trying to figure out how do I get on the dream team today, right after this service, you can join us in auditorium number one, right down the hall for our join the team event for just an hour. Sit with us and let's talk about it a little bit. And that doesn't mean you have to join the team, but you can listen and uh, get more information, try to figure out what that might look like for you. Um, really the big thing though this week is 21 days of prayer, guys. The big thing is that we're reaching for more of God's presence. I hope that you're reading your Bible like you've never read your Bible before. I hope that you're praying like you've never prayed. 21 days of prayer, and we're not doing fasting. That comes in January. 21 days of prayer right now. We're just reaching for more of what God has for us. And so this week on Wednesday, we'll be meeting at the uh, Auburn Lakes Community Center at 7 p.m. If you want to join us for a prayer service, we're going to have a time of worship. We'll pray together. We'll have time where we can split up and pray over needs and pray over uh, prayer requests and all those things. But I want to take a minute right now in the service and I want us to pray. So we, we don't ask you to do this a lot, but I want you to take somebody's hand right next to you. Nobody, I, I don't want anybody to have to pray alone. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to pray together, but I want you to just take somebody by the hand. And while I pray, I want you to pray for them. You might not even know them. In fact, it might be better if you don't know them. I just want you to pray that God would show up in every situation that they're dealing with. Every struggle, every every issue that's weighing on their life. I just, we just want God to show up and show out. So let's pray. And I want to pray for everybody who's at home too. We're gonna, so you're going to pray for the person on your right, the person on your left, and then you're going to pray with me for the people who are watching online today. And if you're online today, I just want you to, if you've got two or three people in the room, you guys pray together and uh, we'll all be praying for each other. Let's pray. God, we just thank you that you're doing mighty things in our lives, that you are moving that you are faithful, that you are trustworthy, and that you are powerful, God, above all things. You have all power. And so we lean into your presence this morning. And in these 21 days of prayer, God, we want to be closer to you than we've ever been. We want to spend more time with you than we've ever spent. We want to know your word like we've never known it. We want your power to be evidence and your spirit to move in us like we've never had it move. So, Lord... Today in this service, we're listening for your voice, voice of your word to speak to us through as we open up your word. And God, we're also leaning into the ideas, the thoughts, 
that you have for us. And every person who's struggling with a, an issue, maybe it's weighing on their heart right now. I just speak right to that issue. And I ask God that you would bring peace and that you would bring power. That you would touch that issue. Maybe it's a mountain that needs to be moved and cast into the sea. We speak to that mountain and we say, move in Jesus' name. Maybe it's a health issue. God, for every person who's struggling with a health issue right now, as we hold these hands, we just speak to that health issue and say, in the name of Jesus, line up with the word of God. Be healed in Jesus' name. Maybe it's a financial issue or a relational issue, a marriage issue. Maybe it's a whatever it may be, God. We just, right now, we hand that issue over to you. We cast all of those cares onto you. And we trust that you are big enough and strong enough and you care enough to touch every one of those circumstances and bring them into alignment with your word because you care for us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Can y'all say amen? Can y'all just give the Lord a hand clap right now like you mean it? Come on. We got some Jesus lovers in the room. How about, can we just give it up one more time for the worship team? They're going to make their way out. You guys are awesome. Amen. And one more really quick thing before uh, we dive into today's message. On your way in today, you should have got a contact card that you can put uh, your contact information on and even if you know we already have that information the other thing on that card is the prayer request so as a part of obviously 21 days of prayer we want to pray for you every need even stuff that you didn't know about until you got to church today and somebody texted and said hey we got a problem we want to pray with you about it we want to stand with you in agreement by faith that knowing that God's going to show up and move and uh, if you'll if you'll write in that prayer request if you'll write on there the issue, whatever whatever part of it you want us to know or pray for. And if you write on there confidential, then those will stay with Angela and I and the and the pastoral team and the rest of them. They're gonna go right into the into the mix of what gets prayed for. Your personal information will not go to the to all the people in the prayer team, prayer meeting, all those things. So we'll keep your stuff confidential, but we wanna pray for you. We wanna pray together, and we want you to be able to pray for all the issues in the house. Are y'all ready for week number three of Solid Ground? This is a message that is really about uh, the Bible. It's about God's Word. This is a message about how do we get planted firmly on solid ground, on firm foundation. And so the last couple of weeks we've been talking about what that looks like. We've been, we've been really digging into how do we get that in us more and more and more. And I'm just going to warn you right up front that today's message is not, I've never preached a message like this one. And so I'm going to just let, I usually don't let you know this because I, I let it sneak up on you. But I'm going to let you know today that this is like a teaching message because there's a lot of things I want to teach you today. I want to show you a lot of things. I want to just, hopefully you leave today and you have an understanding of this in a different way than you ever have before. Amen. So. I want us to start with our theme verse, and that's Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Actually, before I even do that, I want to say really quickly, I am thrilled to have some of our friends right here, uh, Brother Rudy and Carla, Pastor Rudy and Carla. You guys serve at Milk and Honey across town. You guys are doing an awesome job. And can we give it up for these guys? Their church is doing amazing things, serving. That We have, we have like, like-minded. We want to serve the community and love on people, not just have church. So we want to be the church, and so we have some uh, like-minded ministers in the house and if you see them on your way out just give them a high five or hug and just let them know that we love them too so okay now we'll go right to the verse y'all got how many how many of you guys got notes today somebody got notes on the way and leaders are learners come on how many of y'all actually brought your paper paper bible to church today okay that's good a little better than last week but still not good enough you got to get a Bible. We talked about this last week. I want to say what happened. But hey, everybody didn't get it on the first try. We'll try again. Go get a Bible, a paper Bible. And um, really, whatever will get you to read it, get that. But also get a paper Bible. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. We're going to jump into uh, week number three of Solid Ground. Therefore, Jesus said, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine, 
It's the first thing that, that we have to do. We have to hear, hear God's words, hear his words, hear these words, and puts them into practice. That's the second thing. We talked all about that last week. Hearing God's word, putting it into practice, and when we do that, what happens? We're like a wise man who built his house on what? The rock. We're not, we don't want to be like the foolish man who built his house on sand, and then when the, when the wind and the waves come, it falls down. No, when we hear God's word and put it into practice, in other words, we hear what he says and then do it, then we're like building our house on the rock. So just, we focused on the first part of that verse last week, and I want us to kind of focus on the, the last part of that verse, and you can go home and read the whole passage, which, which kind of gives the breakdown, but who built his house on the rock. To me, that's an amazing, that's a beautiful picture. We have, we have a little picture at the theme of this, um, the theme slide, but I want you to picture a house on a rock. And the word right there in the Greek for house is not just a house. Like we're picturing wood and bricks and nails and all that to, to build. It's not just the house. It's what's in the house. Yes. It's us. That's, a, that's the family in the house. That's the content. That's the lives in the house. And so really what it's referring to is not just like building materials. It's talking about a home. So what is our home? Whenever we say the word home, I see all the young people probably looking it up on their phones right here, so we could ask them what the real definition is, but what is a home? We say, somebody told me on the way out, a home is where the heart is. Home is where I hang my hat. Home is where I lay my head down at night. Somebody said, home is where you make it, or home is where you feel safe, or where you're most comfortable, or home is, everybody say the word familiar. Like, you know your house, right? But ultimately, home's the place I go to, hopefully every day, sleep at night, and I, I, that's where I live, right? And so when we talk about building our lives on the Word of God, that needs to be where we live. And if you're not comfortable with it, let me just tell you, you don't live there. That's the challenge. That's not... That's not me saying, hey, look how bad you are. That's, that's me saying, hey, look at us. We need to do better. If you're not familiar with the word of God, then we have to do better as a church. Think about it this way. If I say, hey, think about your house. Think about, you could close your eyes right now. You could picture, just picture yourself standing in your kitchen. You know what your kitchen looks like. Picture the, the kitchen sink and the, you, you, I say, picture your refrigerator. You know that you've got that little picture hanging there that the kids made. Or that little scratch that somebody made. You know that little dent in the floor that somebody did what they weren't supposed to do. You know your house. But if I say, hey, picture Galatians. <laughs> Uh-oh. If I say, hey, I want you to picture Ephesians. Nope. That's, those are weird words. I don't know. That, not, not so comfortable. If I say picture revelation, yes. you know that one because that's like you just got dragons flying around <laughs> into the world, fire raining down, right? But we don't really know what it is. You're not, you're not familiar. You're not comfortable with it. And so when I say, hey, go read your Bible. Oh, Pastor Sean, that, that makes me uncomfortable a little bit. I don't even know where to start. If I want to start reading my Bible, we end up just doing, where should we start? Just right here and. Deuteronomy. Let's see. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Cleanliness of the campsite. What does that mean? We're about to... What does that have to do with... Because we don't know. We're not familiar with the... We don't live there. That's why. So we got to live there. We got to plant our lives on it. This week I took a, uh, I've never done this before, but we were traveling through town. We were going to be back in Houston, but we were taking a quick stop for it, and we we're going to have to stop for lunch. And we thought, hey, we have a couple of hours before we have our next thing in Houston, Angela and I, and uh, Pastor Gail and the kids. And so we stopped right in Austin, and we decided to do a bus tour, because it's the only thing we have time for. So we stopped, hey, we got two hours, let's do a quick bus tour. So we got on the bus, actually the bus was pulling the, the door up. We pulled right in as they were leaving. They say they hurry up. So we jumped on. We did the quick bus tour. But listen, I started learning. I thought I knew a lot about Austin. We started right on 6th Street. And then pretty quickly, he's pointing out all the different things that are downtown and down the, the, down the street. Steamboat uh, 1874. This is where Stevie Ray Vaughan played when he first was getting started. We drove past the Bat Bridge and 
talked, he, he gave us all the details about how the bats leave at night and how much, uh, how many tons of insects they eat. And we drove past the Capitol and he told us about how the Capitol is the largest Capitol building of all the states, including Washington, because everything's got to be bigger in Texas. He told us about the pink granite that the building's made out of and how much it cost almost 10 times more to dig down into the limestone and build the basement and not just the top. All the details of how it was built and how it was made and where it came from and Stephen F. Austin, how the city was uh, named and what its original name was. And then he, we talked about LBJ and Lady Bird and connecting all these dots that I picked up information here growing up and I remembered hearing about that, but now it makes sense because I, I can see it. And so I thought, you know, it'd be awesome if we were on Sunday morning, what if we did a tour of the Bible real quick? And listen, it would take us years to go all the way through in the fine details. We're going to, we're going to zoom out and we're going to do just a, a, like the brief survey because I want you to leave today and I want you to think, yeah, that makes sense. I know I, I'm familiar with my Bible. I know where to start. When you're walking down through Ephesians, hey, that makes sense. <laughs> hey, I actually know where Deuteronomy fits into the story. So this is our assignment today. Let's get familiar and go on a tour. So we're going to start real quick with the only starting point possible, and that is kind of like the translation. So the first thing I'll say, and you can write this down, is get a translation I like. And I'm going to tell you what that means. You might not like that right off the bat, but I'm going to show you what that means. Because usually when people get their first Bible, they ask the question, what's up with all these translations? And I like to go even uh, sometimes onto BibleGateway.com. You can go and it'll just give you a drop down menu of like dozens and dozens of different translations. And you're like, which one of these is actually God's word? Which one's the real Bible? That's, that's kind of where our minds go. But I, I think in order to understand what the translations are about, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but you have to understand that the Bible wasn't written in English. It has to be translated. <laughs> it has to be translated. So what they do, the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, the second half is the New Testament. The Old Testament's written in Hebrew. The New Testament's written in Greek and Aramaic, mostly Greek. And they translate them in a couple of different ways we'll talk about. But I think what we tend to believe is that if they translate the Bible, and then they translate it again, and then they translate it again, and again, and again, and again, and again, by the time we actually read it, 2,000 years later, it can't possibly be accurate. That's not quite like cutting a key, right? You take a key that fits, and then you go have a copy made, and a copy made, another copy made of that key, and so on. Eventually, the key don't work anymore. That's not how the Bible's translated. So we could just eliminate that from our minds. And I will tell you this, that next week... We're going to close this series with, with the focus on why, number one, you can trust the Bible. And why do we know that we know? Why are we confident that the Bible is accurate and true? And we're, going to, we're going to go through that, and I'm going to open up some things you've probably never seen before, some incredible things. But there are literally, they take the original manuscripts, so like the original key, the first writings, the early writings, some as early as just a few years after Jesus uh, left and ascended to heaven. We have early, early writings, and they wrote the, translated the Bible translations from those original manuscripts, and still they are discovering new manuscripts that match the old manuscripts. In other words, they're opening tombs, and they're opening uh, archaeological digs, and finding, for instance, the Dead Sea Scrolls, and seeing, wait a second, this is ancient writings that matches exactly what we read in the Bible. It's translated. So... Here, there are dozens of translations, and I'll just tell you that uh, English, we are super, super blessed because we have a lot of translations. But there are people in the world that don't have a translation of the Bible. Uh, so you know that I, we have a heart for that. We want to be a part of the solution and a part of bringing the translations to all the peoples of the world. Right now, there are 3,641 counted languages that don't have a Bible translation. And they are work, we're working with supporting, financially supporting the Illuminations Project. You can look that up online, illuminationsproject.com. And they have a goal by the year 2000, uh, 2033, the year 2033, 
to have translated all the languages of the world for the Bible. So that every people group, for the first time in history, that every language on earth will have a Bible. That everyone will have access to God's word. And so we want to continue to be a part of that. So real quick, there are three categories of translations. The first is the formal. This is the formal translation, meaning that it's an exact equivalency of those original manuscripts. They take them and they take word for word and they translate it into English. And those translations are like the King James, the New King James, the New American Standard, English Standard Version, all very good word for word translations. Like the King James Version is the oldest. But even since then, they didn't take the King James Version and then translate it. They went back to the original manuscripts and translated them into English, word for word. So over the years, uh, the words have not changed, but grammar has changed. You notice when you're reading the King James Version, it, you got the these and the thous and the saiths, all of those words. So there's the, the next kind of translation is this. And I know I'm talking fast, but we're going somewhere. There's the functional or the dynamic equivalency, meaning that it's not word for word translation, but they take uh, thought for thought or passage for passage. So maybe two or three or four or five words, and then they translate that idea or that thought into English. And so it's still very accurate. It's just not an exact word for word. And it's easier to understand because it more uses the language because they're not using word for word. So that's translations like the New Living Translation, the Good News Translation. And uh, at the end of that list, you see the the New International Version, which is actually the best-selling book since 1987. It's outsold all the other translations, not by a little, but by a whole lot. And so those are... The NIV, though, is a combination of uh, the formal and the functional. So they take the word for word and they also take into account the thought for thought. So it's almost, NIV could almost be on both lists. It's just barely on the functional list. So the third kind of translation is not quite a translation. It's more what we call a paraphrase. And that's where we get when you see the, the living Bible or the message Bible. And um, this is where they took the English version of the Bible and then they translated it into like common English where it's um, it's a little bit more of a devotional. In fact, the Living Bible was written by Dr. Kenneth Taylor. He didn't write it for everybody to read. He didn't write it so it could be sold and given away so that people around the world would one day say, hey, I got the Living Bible. No, he actually wrote it for his kids because he's worried that they wouldn't be able to understand the King James Version. So he... He wrote it out all the way through the Bible so his kids would be able to pick it up and say, this makes sense. So that's why we take the the message or the living Bible and sometimes use it as a a supplement to our reading, like a devotion. So quick example of what that looks like. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. This is how the King James reads. Charity suffereth long and is kind. That word charity there is uh, in the Greek, that's agape. You may, you may have heard that word before. It's the it's an unconditional God kind of love. That's what agape means. But it, in, in the King James Version, they translate it to the word charity. And what does charity do? Charity suffereth long. And those are, like, we don't use the word suffereth. Nobody said, I've never heard any of you, you guys say the word suffereth. Suffereth long. But what does that mean? It just simply means that it's patient. Like love is patient. And so we, I revere the King James Version. I revere uh, the accurate word of God in a way that I can read it. But I read the New Living. I love the New Living Translation. We use that a lot on, on Sunday mornings and the NIV. But a lot of people get so stuck on one version. That's the only word of God, the true word of God. But that's so dangerous. Because when we get so narrow-minded that, listen, I believe that there's only one way to heaven. That's through Jesus Christ. But I also believe that just because I don't read it the way you read it, and we can read it two different languages. And the real problem is, guys, Jesus didn't speak English. (laughs) It has to be translated. For the people who are stuck on the King James Version, maybe that is you. I apologize, but listen, Jesus didn't come from England. Had to be translated. 
Here's the NIV version, 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. You see, it has the same ideas, the same thoughts. It's the same. It's just in an updated language. Watch this. Here's the message. And this one has a little bit more attitude. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut and doesn't have a swelled up head. That's that. We can get that, right? So you got to take the word where you can get it. So, but that doesn't exempt us from having to study to show ourselves approved. So get a King James Version, get an NIV, study the Bible. Okay, so get a translation. Number one, number two, get a study Bible. Last week, uh, in fact, at the beginning of this series, we started the SOAP Bible study. We, we started trying to learn, how do I study my Bible? How do I open it up and let God speak to me? Step by step, making it really easy. I want to show you this verse. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 in English Standard Version says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you. What? Say it again. Let the word of, word of Christ dwell in you. Not just a little bit. Not a dabble, do you? Not just a little a dip and then you're done? So y'all might be thinking, I brought this so I could hydrate up, but that's not it. Every week I make, whoops, I'm going to need that. Every week I make cold brew coffee. My wife is a fanatic for all the fancy, wonderful, aromatic, hot coffees. And every, everything beyond that, I stick with cold brew right here. And so to make cold brew coffee, I take water and I take this coffee ground that's in its own little filter. And you know what I do with it? I put it in the water and let it sit for a while and then cold brew, boom. <laughs> that's, it's simple, it's cheap and easy, but it takes a little bit of time. So watch this. If I take this coffee ground and put it in the water, you can see the water kind of absorbing in. I put a, give it a little dip. Okay. Oh, let's pull it back out now. I can see that the water coming out of it is a little bit brown. All right, we did it. Done. All right. Is this coffee? No. No, it's not. So what? Oh man, I gotta sit here and go through all this time and might take hours. Get a couple more dips in there and then see. I can see it's starting to change. Can y'all see the color changing? Okay, all right, all right. But still not coffee, right? Sometimes we open up our Bible. All right, Lord, I got five minutes. Get a little dip in the Word. Mm -hmm. Psalm 90, boom, done, check. <laughs> I did it. I'm not there yet. I don't live in the Word. I'm not familiar with the Word. I don't even know the Word. I just took a quick dip. I might have got a little there, but... So what do we got to do? We got to put it in there. We got to let it sit for a while. We got to let it dwell in us richly. I'm going to put the lid on. Because we're not going to take it back out. Last week we did soap. That's Scripture. You take the scripture, you read the chapter together. We're reading together. How many guys are doing soap? Okay. Read, read the scripture. Whatever sticks out to you, write that verse down. And then we observe. And then we write down, oh, and then we write down, what do we observe? What is, it, what is this passage saying? And then we write a little A down. How am I going to apply that this week? How can I apply this verse and let God speak to me? And then I pray about it. That's our soap Bible study. But you know what can add to that? Especially the O. The observation part, if you get a study Bible, what happens is it starts to give you more observation, like beyond what you can know. It does the, it does the studying for you. It goes to school for you. I'll give you a, a, a some of y'all are just looking at me like, what are you talking about? I'm going to show you what I mean right here. This is a, a sec section of the um, study Bible that I've highlighted a little section of it so that we can read Matthew chapter 6. Maybe you read it this week and they're going to throw it up on the screen for us. I believe. I hope. There it is. 
Matthew chapter 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000. And if you just jump down to verse 5, it gives us, when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming to him, he said unto Philip, whence shall we buy bread? In other words, where can we buy bread? And this he said to prove him, for he knew himself that uh, what he would do. Here, God, Jesus already knew he was going to multiply the fishes and the loaves and feed, but he asked Philip. So we're reading through the story, and we just kind of skip over that. It don't make a lot of sense, but when you look at the study Bible, come down here to chapter 6, verse 5, it gives us more observational details. It says, if anyone knew where to get food, it would have been Philip, because he was from Bethsaida, a town about nine miles away. Like, that brings the story to life, because now i got some background, here. i got some context for the story that's why he would ask Philip. Because Philip would have seen uh, Jesus. We can't walk nine miles away and go get food for 5,000 people and bring it back out here. All of a sudden, this is starting to make more sense. So you get a study Bible. Not only that, it's got all cross-references cross in the side over here. So if I want to look at, if I want to think about some more places I can read about this, I'm going to jump over to John chapter 1, verse 43. That's what a study Bible does. It don't mean you're in detention or study hall. You got to sit there and do extra work. It's helping you out. All right. The Life Application Bible, that's where this came from. The Spirit-Filled Bible, the John Maxwell uh, Leadership Bible, all those are going to give you extra stuff to add to. How can, what can you observe about this? How can you apply this? And all, Study Bible just helps you do that a little bit better. So, number three, get in a small group. Because now I have a translation that I can understand. I'm willing to read. Now I'm, I've got a study Bible. I'm digging a little bit further into the word. God's speaking to me. I'm applying it. I'm praying about it. I'm letting it work. Now something else happens because when I go to a small group, we start talking about it. And this is where we get like now I'm starting to understand the Bible, but we start taking time for scripture. It doesn't matter what the small group is. You might be in a gardening small group or a quilting small group, but there's going to be a time where we can pray together and talk about a scripture together. And that's when you can say, hey, I was reading this week. You know what the scripture said? What does that mean? And we start talking about it. All of a sudden, iron starts sharpening iron. All of a sudden, the stuff that God's been speaking to you starts getting sharper and sharper because now, now you're working through it together. And so small groups start not too long from now. You can sign... You might be that person that's saying, I'd love to lead my own small group or host my own small group. There's a reason for that. You can, you can sign up to host a small group. Uh, you have another week to sign up for that. And then the week after that, the directory for small groups will open. There'll be tons of small groups for you to choose from. And then the week after that. So you got about three or four weeks to get all in. But the reason we say host and not lead a small group is because you don't have to be the smarter, smartest person in the room. You don't even have to know about anything to host a small group you just have to make yourself available get in the room get two or three other people with you and let's talk about it let's do an activity together let's study the bible together and um i i love that small group can be anything but listen if you're if you're thinking maybe i'd like to do a bible study we have curriculum for uh parenting for uh, marriage for ladies if you want to do a group we can help you to to kind of get on the same page. We want to supply that to you. And if you want to do that, training happens on um, Thursday the 18th. And so you can get signed up for that. Let's look back at our coffee. Not quite coffee, but it's starting to change colors, right? Because we stay in it. The more dips we take or the more time we spend in it, now we're becoming familiar. Now it's starting to darken up. And now, let's see, starting to smell like coffee. There's a lot about the Bible that we never get. If we're, we, unless you understand it and unless you use it, it does, it's, not, it's not doing anything for you. It's just a book that's on your shelf or your coffee table or something you carry around with you. So the more, the more we get to know it, the more we'll love it. The longer I'm married to Angela, the, longer, the more we get to know each other, the more I love her. And the more... You take the Bible and open it. You study it. You talk about it and make it where you live. So let's try to understand it a little bit more. I've got about 10 minutes left and I'm going to like, we're on the bus tour right now and we're about to, I'm going to put your seatbelt on because we're about to try and finish up a whole hour in just 10 minutes. So 
Here we go. It was written over a period of 1,600 years in over a dozen countries in, on three continents by 40 people in three different languages. Like that's a whole, imagine if we tried to do that today. Imagine if I said, hey, we're going to start today and we're going to write a book. It's going to take us 1,600 years. We have a lot of different people writing it. We're going to be traveling all over, but it, we're going to write, we're going to write the story. The Bible is written by poets, uh, prophets, farmers, kings, soldiers, shepherds, princes, priests, historians, fishermen, tax collectors, scholars, businessmen, and doctors. The Bible is written in caves, ships, palaces, prisons, and deserts. So how did they come up with the same story? There's no way we could do that today. There's no way. That, it's an impossible task. They could not have done it in any other way except that there's only one author of the Bible. That it's inspired and breathed by God. It's impossible to imagine that all of the, the same story told through all of that could have come together flawlessly and perfectly accurate. We're actually going to talk, we're going to talk about accuracy next week. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so what happens, the more dips we take in the word, the more time we spend sitting, the more time we sit, spend absorbing and letting it live in us richly, it starts equipping us. It starts sharpening us and making us more. The word of God, the Bible is alive. It's not just a book that somebody wrote over a long period of time and it's so old it's not even good anymore. No, it is a living breathing thing that works on us. A lot of people find it difficult to understand because they look, oh, 66 different Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, like how does all that? But listen, there's one story throughout. Amen. It tells one story. We're going to talk about that story, but I want you to get the breakdown real quick of all of those books. You don't have to memorize them right now, but here's where we start. We start with law books, just so you have a, we're driving down the street of the Bible, and here we go, the first five on the right-hand side, that's the law books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? And then after that, we get to the history books. So there's uh, 12 history books, Joshua through Esther. And then there's five poetry books, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, five history books, and then the prophecy books come right after. There's 17 prophecy books. You got five major prophets, Isaiah through Daniel, 12 minor prophets, Hosea through Malachi. That ends the Old Testament. And they don't call them the major prophets because they were better. It's just because they're longer. They're bigger books. They're the big ones. And then there's 400 years where there's no prophecies. There's silence. And then Jesus is born. That starts the New Testament. So if you're trying to figure out the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the difference is Jesus. When Jesus is born, that starts the New Testament. That starts the New Testament church because Jesus said, I've fulfilled all the, all the law and the prophets. Everything that's been said before, I am fulfilling that. And so then we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are amazing. And you might not know this, but they all tell the same story. It's like this four-dimensional story of Jesus life you know if you and me experienced if we, if we saw a car wreck we'd both tell the story differently it's like no 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 he came in he was he was going way faster than that like we tell a story just a little bit different and then the book of acts that's the historical record of the first church that's where we see uh, the disciples moving going to this town they sent people here and they did this the Holy Spirit came and God started building the church and then once the church was beginning to be established, we get 21 uh, books, Romans through Jude, that are the epistles. They're, they're letters from the apostles to the church saying, hey, this is how you ought to do it. This is how we act like the church. This is how we live it out. And then finally, the end of the New Testament is the revelation. That's prophecy of the last days and eternity. That's what, what's, it, what's all this about? And so we can take all of that, that, that tour that we just went on and say, okay, so what is the Bible 
actually about? What it, as a book, as a story being told to us? I've been saying it's a, a love letter from God, but what is what does that look like? And so, in closing, I'll just as simply as it can get. I think I'll tell you that the plot of the Bible, the plot of the Bible, is it can be called the mirror image. This is really cool. I think this will change the way you look at the Bible. You look at the Old Testament being a mirror to the New Testament. Somebody said that the Old Testament was like uh, the school teacher or the schoolmaster for the New Testament. It shows us, it helps us to understand the covenant that God has with us, but it's really a mirror image. And so this is maybe the best way to show it, and it's going to come up on the screen. But we start with God and righteous people in paradise. That's Adam and Eve in the garden and God says I have a plan for mankind and then Satan and sin enter the picture Satan comes in and tempts Eve and she gives it to Adam and they make mistakes all of a sudden sin separation happens whenever sin comes in Every time sin, separation from God comes in, then we end up in chaos. And that's what happens in, in humanity. Whenever sin separated them from God, all of a sudden chaos starts to happen. That, by the way, happens in your life. Whenever we get caught in sin, we get separated from God, we feel like we're far from God, all of a sudden things start to get chaotic. And then what? Watch what happens. The world is judged and destroyed. This is the times of Noah. We just talked through that in the summer. The world was so bad and so full of sin. It says that the thoughts of men were always evil. All the thoughts of men were evil. Except for Noah. And so God comes in and judges the world and destroys everybody with water, with the flood. But even after that, it wasn't long. Before they started to build, and you, you read the story of the Tower of Babel and one world and this governmental system that says, hey, we don't need God. We don't need God at all. We're going to build a tower all the way up to heaven and we're going to take God off the throne and we'll be on the throne. Wow. And God says, no, 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 no. <laughs> we're not going to do that. And so he gives them different languages and he begins, he said, no, that's not the way. This is the way. And so he gives us the 12 tribes and says, these are my people. And then there's prophecies and there's prophecies and uh, uh, poetry and all of those things. But then that ultimately leaves us right up here to the middle of the top. And that is Jesus. Jesus Christ. Starting the New Testament. And then we see the mirror of the Old Testament starting with no that we're not going to have 12 tribes and the family and I'm going to give you the law because the law was always on the outside. It was always an external thing that was impossible to keep. He gave them tablets with rules and they could never keep up with all these rules. And so now he says, I'm going to give 12 disciples and I'm going to build my church and I'm going to put my law on their heart. I'm going to put it inside them. So he showed us what wouldn't work and then he says, but through Jesus, I want, to put, I want to put this inside you. And then watch. This is where I think we are now. Like this is the, we're right back to that place, maybe at the beginning or well into the middle of the world saying, hey, we don't need God. We, we don't, you, you can take God right off the throne of the school and the government. Now, we don't need that. You don't need him at your house either. You can live however you want to live. You don't need him. But ultimately what's going to happen is the same thing. Ultimately, the world will continue into sin. So much so that there will be destruction. The world will be judged and destroyed again. But this time not with water, with fire. That will be the end times. That will be Armageddon. That will be the end of days. But when that happens again, the church will be taken up and then watch. Satan and sin will not enter. Satan and sin will then exit and be cast down. 
ultimately leading back to what I said last week was that the whole Bible can be summed up in one word and God gets his family back. Because watch this. God and not righteous people, but redeemed people will be in paradise together. So he'll take us up and all full circle, all the way back around. God's going to have his way in us and provide a way for every person who wants a way. Every person who will accept the free gift of salvation and live and become. Let his word live richly in us so we can become something different. Starts with a decision. Let me show you really quickly. You might think that um, we are the subject. You might think that the subject of the, we fit right in there. God did all this for us, but the subject of the Bible is not us. The subject of the Bible is Jesus. We are the object. Watch this. John chapter 5 verse 39. Jesus said, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. Like people were searching through. And at that time, they, there was no New Testament. They hadn't written the life of Jesus yet. They're still living it. So he's pointing at the Old Testament saying, that points at me. This whole book from beginning to end is pointing right at Jesus. Saying he's the only thing we need. The one, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And the more we get of this in us, the more we come to know his character, the more we come, the, the more we become like him. It's almost like we're getting washed with the word. It's pointing right to Jesus. What is the, the verb? And this is what we'll close with. What's the verb? action of the Bible. You might think, well, it's love because God is love. Almost. That's, that's very close. But I want you to see this. John 3.16, the most famous Bible verse ever. For God so loved the world. There it is. But watch where it's going. God so loved the world that he, he gave. The verb of the Bible is give because he gave. He gave us Jesus. Subject. He gave us his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And watch what happens when we get that free gift. We turn right back around and give our lives. We give our time. We give every part and say, God, here I am. And I become most like him when I watch this. John 3.16. And then if we jump over to 1 John 3.16, different book. It gives us what happens when we take that love. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. Isn't that amazing that our, the action we take after we receive that free gift is that we then lay down our lives. I want to pray with you today as we close. And I want you to just make a decision. I think there's a lot of decisions that need to be made here. Maybe you're watching online and... Maybe it's not even something I said. It's just the Holy Spirit's been dealing with you and showing you, hey, the Holy Spirit's like the tour guide. He's been saying, look at that right there. That's where, that's where I want you to go. That's what I want you to do. Pay close attention right here because this, this is coming up. I feel like the Holy Spirit does that with me. And if I listen, then my life is made so much better. When, I, when I'm reading through the Word, if I'm listening to the whole, the teacher is teaching classes in session that's the holy spirit just showing us exactly what he wants to show us if we'll listen so some of us need to make some decisions today that might be okay i'm gonna do this all right i'm gonna go get my bible i'm gonna go get a new i'm gonna go get a study bible i'm gonna get in a small group i'm gonna join a team i'm gonna i'm gonna start praying i'm gonna go to a prayer meeting this week i'm gonna go to the join the team or I'm going to, I'm going to give my heart to God today. Like what, whatever that thing is that God is leading you to do, let's do that together. Let's do something amazing for God because he's doing something amazing in us. And all this story right here just shows us how big, how massive the scope is of the story that's unfolding around us. I want to pray for you. Let's pray. God, today, 
thank you that you're speaking to the hearts and minds of people, God, that you're speaking by your Holy Spirit. You're just dropping ideas and direction, clarity, and vision, your word. Maybe, God, you're reminding someone of something right now that you said a long time ago to them. God, all of those things, we, we yield to you right now. Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to say, God, we, we just want to follow you. We don't want to follow anybody else's voice. We just want to follow your voice. Do whatever you want to do in our lives. We're available to you. We are holy here and available to you. And so we love you, God. God, I, I ask, Lord, that you would make your word come alive this week as we study, as we do our soap studies, and as we go to spend time in your word and in our prayer time, as we go to prayer service this week. God, let your word just come alive in us. Help to transform us. Give us the mind of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Before we leave, I know we're, we're right on the edge of time. I want to take just a minute, and for that person, maybe you've never started a relationship with Jesus. Maybe today, if I asked you what your relationship with God is, you, you don't have an answer. You feel like you're far from God. Maybe today is the day that you make things right with God. Because watch this. The scripture says... God says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So you can take a first step today and put your life right with him and begin the process that he, the purpose that he made you for. But it starts with a commitment. It starts with the decision and we can say that prayer together. So would you just bow your head right where you are? Everybody in the room, nobody looking around. Would you just close your eyes? And if you're that one person, I won't embarrass you or ask you to stand up or come forward. But if you're that one person that you're saying, Pastor Sean, I want to say that prayer. I want to make my life right with God. I want to start living my life on a solid ground today. If that's you with nobody looking around, would you just raise your hand up? Put it right back down. You want to start a fresh walk with God today and, and start a new life today? Would you just put your hand right up and then back down? Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Would you repeat, everybody in the room, repeat these words after me. and Let's say that prayer together. God, I give you my life. I thank you for Jesus for sending your son to die for me. Today, I invite you into my life. Forgive me of my sin and make me whole. Make me a new creation. Breathe new life into me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Let's give a hand clap for everybody who said that prayer. That's exciting. I love that, that we got to do that together. Pastor Susan's going to come and help us close in worship. I love you guys.